Hello and welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the show that keeps you up to date with the latest science news from across the continent. I'm Halima Athmani. This week, we are investigating the amazing research that's being done to take on the world's deadliest diseases. The world's leading scientists have expressed their delight, along with a strong note of caution, following the news that a vaccine against coronavirus has proved 90% effective in early results. The vaccine uses a tiny amount of the genetic sequence of the spike protein which sits on the surface of coronavirus. Synthetic material known as RNA is injected into muscle cells in the arm. Interest in mRNA vaccines has exploded since they were able to be so quickly developed to take on COVID-19. Trials for mRNA vaccines against HIV, malaria and tuberculosis are now beginning around the world. But the recipes for the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines have been tightly held by pharmaceutical companies who have refused to share patents with developing countries. With limited access to vaccines, only seven countries on the continent have vaccinated more than 40% of their populations. So, last year, the World Health Organization recruited scientists in South Africa to crack the code of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Patrick Arbathnot is part of that team, which is in the process of producing a unique Africa-made vaccine. Professor Arbathnot leads the Antiviral Gene Therapy Research Unit at the University of the Witzvotesrand and has been working in this field for more than 20 years. Our reporter Michael Kaloki caught up with him to find out why scientists are so excited about mRNA technology. We have been working for about nine months now on making an mRNA vaccine against COVID and the intention is to make other vaccines against other diseases as well. But just in a nutshell, what mRNA is, is a, as its name indicates, messenger ribonucleic acid. That's what mRNA stands for. And the message that it carries is a code for the production of a protein. So in the case of COVID, the code is the spike protein of the SARS coronavirus 2. And when this mRNA gets into a cell, the code is interpreted by the cell and it produces the spike protein. And this protein is recognized as being a foreign antigen by a human who has been given this mRNA. And that person mounts an immune response to the spike protein and thereby becomes immune to the SARS coronavirus 2. And what mRNA synthesis involves is work carried out in a test tube, basically. We add different components to the test tube, enzymes, DNA as well, that's used to make the mRNA. And then the reaction is carried out in a test tube and at the end of it, mRNA is produced and we can purify that messenger RNA and then incorporate it into these so-called lipid nanoparticles, these little carriers that are used to get the mRNA into a cell safely and efficiently to produce the spike protein that is immunogenic. So what we've been doing is working on optimizing the methods for making the messenger RNA in the test tube and also incorporating the messenger RNA into these lipid nanoparticles. 
Um, it's a very versatile, powerful technology, and it is adaptable to many different kinds of diseases, which is why um, there's a lot of interest in developing capacity in messenger RNA synthesis throughout the world, particularly in Africa, um, so that people in low- and middle-income countries can deal with the challenges of uh, new pandemics and also existing infectious diseases. What gap did mRNA fill in COVID vaccine shortages? Well, the important thing about messenger RNA, as I've already alluded to, is that it's very versatile. It's easy to adapt quickly to making a vaccine against any new emerging pathogen. So what a pathogen being something like the SARS coronavirus to any virus or bacteria. So the gap that the mRNA filled was that it enabled scientists and medical practitioners to make a vaccine very quickly, which was not the sort of traditional way of making a inactivated virus or a protein that comes from the virus. It's a way of making a vaccine very, very quickly because it is uh, possible to change sequences, make new DNA that encodes the mRNA to make these vaccines. So basically, it's a very versatile, powerful, flexible technology that um, filled a gap that enabled people to make vaccines against COVID very, very quickly. Could you tell me about the mRNA vaccine technology transfer hub established in South Africa? That's a very exciting development, Michael. It was a an initiative which has been pushed by the WHO and it's been endorsed by several governments throughout the world, US government, Canadian government, several European countries as well. And the important thing is that what they have recognized, and I think everybody knows this now, is that nobody in the world is safe until everybody is safe. And it doesn't help that uh, people in Africa do not have access to vaccines because if there is uh, infection, say, with COVID in African countries, then North American and also European, other parts of the world as well, those people are at risk because there is poor vaccine or maybe poor vaccine coverage in parts of Africa. So the important thing was that the WHO felt that it was important that this capacity to be developed throughout the world. And they started off by establishing the mRNA hub in South Africa, and this is now up and running. And the model is of a hub and spokes, which means that um, we in South Africa are now starting to train people from other parts of the world in the methods involved with mRNA synthesis. So there are people in other parts of Africa also who will be visiting this mRNA hub, which is currently based in Cape Town and hosted by Afrigen, the company. And people will come to Afrigen to learn how to make mRNA and take that know-how back to their country so that they can establish the mRNA vaccine technology at home. I know you mentioned a bit about this earlier, but could you tell me a bit about the technology behind mRNA vaccines? Sure, Michael. Um, Basically, when one makes a vaccine, one produces a protein or has a protein encoded by the mRNA, 
that will cause immunity to the uh, SARS coronavirus, in this case, for, that causes COVID. So what happens is that we work out the sequence of the spike encoding uh, DNA. So the DNA uh, that would make uh, RNA that codes for the spike protein can be worked out quite uh, easily these days. It's a, a standard technology that's carried out throughout the world. So we take the sequence information and we put that into a piece of DNA, which we call a plasmid. And that plasmid is used as the template. In other words, it's used to read the uh, information to make the mRNA from that. So um, basically, it's it's taking these sequences, which are available, um, and incorporating that into a, a template which can be used to make a a vaccine. Uh, just a little point of clarity, SARS coronavirus 2 is an RNA virus, it's not a DNA virus, but DNA is very stable, so we use DNA um, to make the mRNA because of the stability, but it's not part of the SARS coronavirus 2. Do you feel countries around the African continent would have the capability, technically and logistically, to adopt mRNA technology? I think so. I think it's um, it's uh, fairly standard. It's it's um, there are certain things that one needs to be careful about to make mRNA. But I think the technology is becoming more generic, which means that uh, it's possible to set up standard operating procedures to carry out the procedure from start to finish. And I think it will be possible for um, most African countries with uh, some knowledge about basic molecular biology. And I think that everybody does have that kind of information. And with the help of the hub, of course, um, to put people on the right track and make sure that no mistakes are made. Um, we, are, of course, are learning along the way. We're finding out a lot about uh, where things can go wrong. And I think the other African countries which comprise the spokes, and not only African countries, the other countries in um, South America, for example, that we've provided training to from Argentina and Brazil. So we would have the experience and know where the problems are and help um, people from the so-called spokes to learn the technology and benefit from our experience. But I do think that it is possible that um, African countries should be able to learn the technology and, and be capable themselves. Can this technology be adopted in the production of vaccines against tuberculosis, malaria and HIV? Definitely, Michael. That is one of the very exciting things about mRNA technology. And you're actually already starting to work on those other infectious diseases that you mention. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the talk, the uh, technology is very versatile. So it's a simple matter to swap out one DNA sequence for another DNA sequence and produce a different mRNA that codes for a different um, vaccine. We need to adapt it to, to making vaccines against other diseases such as TB, malaria and HIV, which are very important in Africa. So yes, certainly it is being adapted to other diseases and I think there'll be significant strides in the near future with uh, mRNA vaccines for all sorts of different infectious diseases, not only SARS coronavirus too. 
What is known about the ongoing research of mRNA technology for developing effective vaccines against tuberculosis, malaria, and HIV? These uh, pathogens, you know, that cause TB, malaria, and HIV are a lot more complicated than the SARS coronavirus 2. And I think people were quite fortunate with the SARS coronavirus 2 in that the spike protein generates good immunity to SARS coronavirus 2. We know from everybody in the world knows that HIV is a big problem and it is one of the big problems is that there's no effective vaccine against HIV. So it's, it's really difficult to get a vaccine against HIV. But um, having said that, I think the um, use of mRNA technology adds some more flexibility, so ability to be more nimble in the design and test, uh, testing of vaccines against HIV. It also enables um, more effective immunity against the antigen. There are sort of several arms of the immune response that are triggered when using an mRNA, unlike, say, when using just a protein. And these will all act together to produce better vaccines, we're hoping, against HIV, malaria, and TB. But these are certainly tougher nuts to crack than uh, SARS coronavirus 2. But there are some interesting developments. People are identifying new proteins that um, could be good as vaccines against TB, for example. That's one of the projects we're working on at the moment in collaboration with a team from Cape Town, there are some very promising antigens from TB that we are looking at to make new vaccines against TB. But um, yeah, it is early days, but we are optimistic that um, mRNA technology will help us to address these other serious health concerns that are common in Africa. Many thanks to Professor Patrick Arbathnot for coming on the show this week. You can find out more about mRNA vaccines for HIV, malaria and tuberculosis by visiting the SIDEVNET website at www.scidev.net. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis with editing by Fiona Broom and Ogechi Ekwanyanyu. Our reporter was Michael Kaloki. I'm Halima Athmani. Until next week, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SIDEVNET and distributed in association with your local radio station.